figure out who you are because a lot of times our identity takes on all of the roles that we have. Well, that's not who we are. Those roles aren't who we are and we can't forget that part, right? So I would just say, take some self-reflection and figure out who you are and what you need and really listen to yourself. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. I'm Jan. And I'm Erin. We're best friends, mother and daughter, rural entrepreneurs, and business partners of over two decades. Over 23 years ago, we jumped into the world of entrepreneurship in search of our big purpose. Three years ago, our hard work paid off when we launched an international print magazine, Trailblazer, and business membership. Through these, we have one mission, to empower rural women by helping them build successful businesses, all while cultivating the rural lifestyles they love. So through guest interviews and shows with just the two of us, we'll be chatting about topics like growth mindset, intuition, entrepreneurship, grit, resilience, and so much more. We're going to equip you with the know-how to navigate the sometimes murky waters of entrepreneurship. So whether you're rural, rural-hearted, or intrigued by the rural way of life, get ready to challenge yourself while learning from our experiences and other rural entrepreneurs as we explore the endless opportunities that lie ahead. Together, we can create something extraordinary. Welcome to the Trailblazer Podcast. Fighting for ourselves means carving out the time and space to be yourself. It means creating a boundary that says, I'm going to do this for me and nothing is allowed to get in the way because anything and everything will if we allow it. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for taking care of. That's a line from Llewellyn Melnick's article in our fall 2023 issue of Trailblazer magazine. Her article was called Reclaiming Yourself. And today we're so excited. She's a guest on the podcast and we dove in deep to a lot of these trending words that we're hearing thrown out all over the place. But first, here's a little bit about Llewellyn. Yeah, so Llewellyn is a journalist by trade and a farmer by choice. She worked as a news reporter and anchor at CKX TV in Brandon, Manitoba, before focusing on farming alongside her husband and two kids near Angusville, Manitoba. So with Llewellyn today, we looked at all the things that women do, how we're feeling about it, our timing, our productivity, and, and sometimes just our tiredness. So we meandered around a conversation that was really heartfelt, and I think you're going to get so much out of this article. Women today, and, and, and this episode as well, women today are busy, and we need some tools in our tool belt to take care of ourselves. Because how often do we hear the words, you need to take care of yourself, you need to put yourself first, you need self-care in your life. We all hear that and we all know it, but what does it actually look and feel like? And so Llewellyn is so passionate about the subject, she's even written a book called Rooted, How I Stay Small Town Strong When Life Gets Hard and How You Can Too. So we're talking about subjects like burnout, mental health, self-care, how to say no, boundaries. Every woman needs to hear this conversation. So enjoy. Llewellyn, welcome to the Trailblazer podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me and congrats on your podcast. It is so exciting that you guys now have a podcast. So I am super pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So today's conversation, you wrote a, a really hard hitting article in our fall 2023 issue of Trailblazer. So we want to just start by reading actually the second paragraph from your article, because I think that's an amazing bouncing off point for this whole conversation today for women anywhere. So tune in, you guys. And so just to clarify, the article was uh, called 
reclaiming yourself. And I think for Aaron and I, both of us really grabbed at that title uh, immediately. But listeners, here's a paragraph from the beginning of uh, Llewellyn's article. I'm a grain farmer from Western Manitoba and have often struggled with the demands of farm life. If I'm not intentional with my habits, I simply forget about me. Living and working in agriculture is a blessing in so many ways, but sometimes it feels like a betrayal to myself and a serious threat to my mental health when the workload gets heavy. I think that statement would be relatable to so many women out there. Let's dive in. So you're a grain farmer. So Manitoba, Canada, obviously. Tell us a little bit about your life and what's working, what's incredible about it. And and what's led yeah. up to this point of the book that you've written and the article and this theme that you, that we all know is still relevant, but that you have the bravery to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I am a grain farmer and we are, of course, really busy from May until October. That is our busy season for growing crops here. I have two kids. They are 11 and 13 right now. But I grew up on a farm. And I will just say that I have always struggled with farm life. And I will be completely honest with anybody who asks me about it. I think that being on the farm is, like I said, a blessing in so many ways. We are our own boss. We get to set our own hours. There's a lot of benefits to raising kids on the farm and living on the farm. The thing that I always struggled with was just the fact that the farm itself is almost like an unspoken family member that's always comes first. And that's how I looked at it, even as a child and still as an adult, is that the farm always comes first. And when the snow melts and we need to get the crop in the ground, there's no waiting around. There's no negotiating. You have to do it. And when it's ready for harvest time, same thing. Everything else gets put on hold. It does not matter if somebody has something going on or if someone is sick or you have to get the crop off. And so a lot of the times it just, for me, felt like it was always sacrificing. We were always sacrificing. And I felt like I was sacrificing myself, honestly, because it was a workload that was felt imposed and there was no negotiation with it. And so I struggled with my mental health as a child living on the farm. I grew up in the 80s. My parents were also grain farmers. We had high interest rates. We had drought and um, we had a lot of challenges. So it was, we knew work. That's all we knew was work. And I, I grew up with a great work ethic. I have no complaints about that. I was taught work ethic, but I didn't take the time to rest. And I moved away from the farm. I became a journalist. I took that work ethic with me when I became a journalist and burnout ensued in another profession. And then also when I moved back to the farm and I left my media career, same thing. I've always just found that it was really hard to take the time for me. And I think that's why my mental health struggled a lot of times as a young adult. And I always just felt like, okay, what's negotiable here? And how do I fight for myself? So really, I wrote this book, I wrote this article to give some people some tips, because I feel like I've struggled my entire life to fight for myself and make time for me and not burn out. And so it's just been a struggle. But I wrote the book 
and wrote this article hoping that other people would see, okay, you know what, like this lifestyle is great, but there's some really big challenges we need to be talking about. We need to be advocating for ourselves in any profession. Like I think farming is, is one that probably pushes the boundaries more than a lot of them, but it doesn't matter where you work or where you live. I think it's really easy to take on too much and not keep time for ourselves. Yeah, that was the intention with my book. Yeah. And we haven't said the title of the book. <laughs> Tell us, Tell the, us title. the title. Yeah. So the title is called Rooted, How I Stay Small Town Strong When Life Gets Hard and How You Can Too. And so it's a it's a self-help book, but it's also a memoir. So it just tells my story and then also gives readers tips about what you can do if you're struggling with your mental health. So can I ask, so growing up, did you have a model of behavior to model that self-care or that rest or taking care of your mental health? Because I find all of us, if we are not seeing someone else doing it, having healthy habits, it's really hard to incorporate that into our life if we haven't seen a successful image of that. Yeah, I will say I didn't have a lot of those things. And when I say I grew up in the 80s and things were hard, they were. And my parents were working. My mom was working on the farm and going to town to work at a job. And there was no time in between for much else. Um, she was raising three kids and my dad was working hard on the farm. And we did not have a lot of downtime. I write in my book, when you're a farm family, one of the best things is when you go camping because the work is done and you get to go to the lake. That literally was life changing. I think for everybody on the farm, when you pack up the camper and you leave, like that is it. That is where it is. But no, I think as a society, we didn't model a lot of self-care and mental health strategies and taking time for ourselves. And we didn't prioritize it either. But also we were at a time where survival was what we were doing and bills had to get paid. And I think there's been so many, I guess, decades of, you know, we went through the 30s and you know what that was like for a lot of people. They were starving. They were trying to eat. And then we went through the 80s and that was a rough time. And so we've gone through times uh, things got better after that. And so we're making mental health a priority, which we should, but we didn't learn a lot of the strategies from the past. Now's the time to lean into that and model it for our kids because I, you're totally right. When our kids are watching us take time and making sure we're exercising and taking time for sleep and all those things, they're going to learn that from us. Yeah, I think that there wasn't a lot of those um, examples for us, but I'm thinking it's changing or it looks like it's changing. And so that's great news for our kids. Yeah. And I wanted to dive into that word self-care because I think there's a lot of connotations around that. A lot of times you can hear self-care and you think, oh, it's going for a massage or getting my nails done or something. But I really hear what you're saying is something deeper than that. Like you mentioned rest and whatnot. So what does self-care look like to you and how do you do it now? What are some of the actual things that you do, because I think there's a lot of women who are sleep deprived, depending on their way of life or how many, what stages their babies are at or things like that. But I think rest is a really big one. But what else fills that picture? So I really want to emphasize that self-care is such an individual thing. And so it is so different for everyone. And it can be going for a massage and it can be getting your nails done. But if you're in a time or a stage of your life that looks like you're raising babies, that is not self-care probably. It might be, but it might not be. Self-care for me, when I had little babies at home, was going to the grocery store by myself. 
and someone watching my kids. Okay. Now there are some people who are like, Oh, stop saying self-care is going to the grocery store. Stop saying that. You know what? When you're in that stage of life, not wiping a bum for two hours and getting food in the fridge that you need can absolutely be self-care. For me, at this stage of my life, it's going for a run or a walk outside. It's having time in nature, having quiet, not using my brain. That to me, rest, that's rest. Even though I'm not sleeping, that is rest for my nervous system, for my body to get outside and breathe, get some sunshine, get some nature, and just have time alone. Now, you know, sleep is a really important thing. And people take that for granted and think it's not self-care. But you know what? If you're prioritizing sleep every single night, it can be life-changing if you're not getting it. Self-care can be so many things. And so it's so unique to your own needs at that time, whatever those needs are and wherever you are in your stage of life. And so I always just tell people, don't let anybody tell you what self-care is. For you, it might look different. So for you, it might be a bath. For you, it might be reading a book. It might, for me, going to a concert, I love music. If I go to a concert, I feel like I have just filled my cup immensely. It is one of the best things for me. So everyone has their own thing. And so I think that's important to know what stage of life you're in and what kind of is good for you and recognizing those things. And I think to letting go of the pressure that a self-care, an act of self-care has to be an hour or two hours. Like I find for my stage of life right now, even five minutes here and then 15 minutes there, that all adds up to filling my cup throughout the day, throughout the week. And it takes the pressure off of, I literally don't have time to go and do that for an hour, but I can do little tidbits. So I think it like you said, it's all so custom to each of us, but finding what that, what can you, how can you receive that time? And it doesn't have to be in these big chunks yeah, all at once. And I wanted to add too, what if there's a woman listening and she just hasn't cared for herself in a long time and she's thinking now, what is self-care to me? I don't even know. How would you advise her to get in touch with that and how to start or where to start. What if she spent her whole life just in service to family and everything, the, her whole life? What would you suggest she do to figure that out? I think you're totally right, Jan. I think women especially are conditioned to be on call. And what I mean by that is that a lot of us are mothers and that maternal thing is looking after your kids. And so we're conditioned to be on call when they need something. And a lot of those needs are non-negotiable, right? So we get mm -hmm. used to saying yes to our kids. We get used to saying yes to maybe our husbands or our family members or the community or people keep asking us and our plate gets full and we don't know how to take those things off our plate. So we get really good at saying yes and we have a really hard time saying no. And saying no to things is self-care. So I want to just say that. And it is a skill that needs to be practiced too. Like people think, oh, I can just say no. No, it's hard. If you're not used to saying no, that is hard to do. It is a skill and you need to practice it. And for the women who don't know how to have self-care or don't even have the time, I would say the first thing is take some things off of your plate. Make some time. First of all, very first step is just make some time. And you do not have to fill that time with anything at all. Just make some time 
if it's once a day, even start once a week and then go once a day. And it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be half an hour. And just be resting or with yourself or doing some self-reflection. And maybe it's journaling or maybe it's just some quiet time. And figure out who you are. Figure out who you are. Because a lot of times our identity takes on all of the roles that we have. That's not who we are. Roles aren't who we are. And we can't forget that part, right? So I would just say, take some self-reflection and figure out who you are and what you need and really listen to yourself. And sometimes that's going to take some time. If you've been years of not doing that, it is a skill and you need to build it. So just keep penciling out the time, keep doing it. And eventually over time, I feel like the brain fog lifts and you can breathe again and you can say, okay, what do I really want to do? What do I, what do I really like? And what should I be using my time for? And maybe it's doing nothing. Yeah. I think that was a good point to bring up because years ago, we weren't able to name all these things. Right. And bring awareness to them. It was just, that's just life. And now we're able to, especially with the word burnout, like I bet you there are so many women out there who don't even, who are experiencing burnout and don't even know that it's a thing and that it's something that needs to be acknowledged and addressed and then steps taken to recover from that and start incorporating self-care and, and, and taking care of your mental health. For you, what did burnout show up as? Because it's different for all of us. And a lot of times we don't even know we're in it when we're experiencing a major burnout. Yeah. So for me, I'll tell you a story from my adult life. So when I had moved back to the farm and we had two little kids, my husband was hauling grain and he was busy and I was at home alone with two kids and I wasn't taking enough time for myself at that point in my life. I ended up getting anxiety really badly. And I didn't know what anxiety was. We had taken a trip to get away for, I think it was three or four days. We went to Jamaica and it was the first trip away from our kids. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to leave my kids. All of them. That felt wrong, first of all, because I hadn't been used to doing it. Get used to doing it, moms. I don't care how old your kid is. And when we came back, when we came back on the plane, I had an anxiety attack, a panic attack so bad. I was passing out. My face had went numb. It was awful. It was the most awful panic attack on a plane. And after that experience, my anxiety was so bad for weeks after that. And I had realized, why am I experiencing this? I never had a break for almost two years. My kids and I were together every day and I didn't have a break and the only break I had would be going to bed then I would get up and feed somebody three times a night so there was so many things I could have done differently now I can see I can look back and say as a mom I should have been taking more breaks so that burnout didn't happen it's easy to say that in hindsight right but burnout can look different for everyone it can look like being disinterested in the things that usually interest you it can be you know brain fog not being able to do your tasks that you normally do it can be panic attacks it can be anxiety it can be a lot of things so it's hard to pinpoint what it is exactly but usually our body will tell us something's going on if we listen 
Yeah, that's powerful to hear. Yeah. And there's that trust, like trust what your body is saying. Like it's, it, there's some signs here. So on the flip side of that, and I noted in your article, you talked about healthy habits, exercise, nutrition. Could you expand on that? Because there are some things with, within our control that can help with regulating some of the feelings and stuff too. It's not going to replace self-care, but it is a part of it. So what are some of the healthy habits that, that you've incorporated that you would suggest? to women listening to this after that burnout that I had with my kids and the anxiety I endured one of the things I started was exercising and I had exercised in the past but I wasn't making it a priority when my kids were small and when I had an anxiety attack I would go outside and go for a walk or a run I would put on my winter boots and go outside it didn't matter what time of day it was if it was the middle of the night I would just tell my husband I'm going for a walk and I'm I'll be back in a bit um that's how I started getting back into exercise and I just found the clarity that came with that that was basically my first form of self-care when I was in that place because it was a few moments by myself and I was exercising which was what my body needed because when you're sitting around on the floor with two little kids you're not moving that much and yeah, yeah you're running after them but it's not the same and so healthy habits really are important so exercising I do incorporate now as a daily habit for me and um, nutrition was another one. If you're eating crap, you're going to feel like crap. And putting something good in your mouth is going to make a world of difference. And getting sleep. And so those are things that we take for granted. But honestly, the better you can do with those things, the better you're going to feel. The other thing that I want to mention about healthy habits is hormones for women are a huge thing for mental health. So hormones, I had imbalanced hormones as a teen which caused a lot of my depression. I'm dealing with it again now because perimenopause came knocking and man, she wasn't very nice. So back to balancing hormones, but get your hormones checked too, ladies. It is so important. If our hormones are out of whack, everything else is out of whack. And those healthy habits are going to keep your hormones in check. And so if we're doing all those things, it is just like a trickle that turns into a waterfall. So if we prioritize them, it's going to help us feel better. That's really good that that's your lifestyle habits. But I think though those are all within our control to do. So I want to circle back, though, to the very beginning about the farm comes first. How do women stake their claim to time for themselves when there there's that spoken? Inherited expectation. Yeah, unspoken, spoken yeah. that the farm comes first, the animals come first, all these things come first. What kinds of strategies could a woman utilize to start pulling back from that a bit and not losing herself to everything? What would you say? And that's a tough question, I think. It is a tough question, and I don't have all the answers. I will tell you some things that I've used, but man, that is the that's the million dollar question, I think, for all of us. Whether it's an unspoken rule or a spoken rule that this is your role. Having identifying roles, I think, not just on a farm, but in your family is an important thing, not just for women, but also for men. But if there's an unspoken rule or if there's a spoken rule that you're in charge of meals and laundry, let's just say, you're not going to have a lot of time to do anything else. If you're packing lunches in the morning, making lunch and making supper and taking meals to the field, you're not going to have a lot of time. Like that consumes your whole day. So, 
it, it is really hard, but it's conversations that you need to have about what is my role? What can I do and what can't I do? And that's what I'm talking about practicing saying no, but not just saying, no, I can't do this because that's not good for a family or an operation. Sorry, can't, I'm running away. It's not that, it's having a conversation that, you know what, Tuesday night, I'm going to go do this for myself. So I need help making supper or running a kid to here or whatever. So it's scheduling, which takes everyone in your family on board. It's not just you. You need to have conversations. You know what else you need to have? A planner with all of the dates and all of the things written down. And you know what? It's gross, right? But if I don't have a planner or a scheduler, how am I going to get time for myself? Because it'll just keep filling up and filling up. So I think the best things for me too was if we're in the field and it's harvest time, I cannot take my kids to hockey or dance. I cannot do those things. I'm in a combine. So what we've done as a family is hired help. So we have a really wonderful human being in our life who has been a nanny with my kids since they were small. And when harvest time hits, she drives them to dance. She drives them to hockey. She gets them ready for bed. And I can be in the combine and I'm not worrying about that. And the other thing is, the other thing I don't have to worry about is we have somebody who will make meals. My mother-in-law makes meals during harvest time. So I don't have to go and make a meal and then go back into the combine. I do lunch before we leave. She does supper. I don't have to leave the combine. So scheduling, scheduling is so big, but having conversations, not even tough, just have the conversations. They might feel tough at first, but just, I cannot do this and this. This is what I can do. Okay, how can we manage the rest of this? And it shouldn't just be on you. It needs to be the whole family figuring it out. And I think that's where you have to start because if you feel like it's all on you and you have to figure out 800 things, of course you're gonna feel overwhelmed. And how are you gonna figure out 800 things? If I have to be in the combine and drive them to dance and hockey and make meals, I'm not getting anything done at all. So our crop is not going to get off the field. Yeah, I think that you have to really look at where you can ask for help. So there's one of the things I wrote in that article was do delete and delegate. That's some of the best advice I was ever given. So what can you do? And then look in what can't I do? So delete the ones you can't do. If they're non-negotiable and you can't take them off your plate, they still have to get done. Delegate it to somebody else. That's easier said than done because we can't always afford to hire help, but maybe you have a friend who could take your kid to dance, or maybe you can barter some services to get somebody to make a meal. And maybe there's things you can do. So if you can't do it, delete it or delegate it and until it seems manageable. Yeah. I, think that's I like that advice. Yeah. Do delete or delegate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to read my favorite sentence from your article because it just totally... It screams at me. Okay. Fighting for ourselves means carving out the time and space to be yourself. It means creating a boundary that says, I'm going to do this for me and nothing is allowed to get in the way because anything and everything will if we allow it. Treat yourself like someone you are responsible for taking care of. And I like, I had to read that two or three times, honestly. And it's funny because mom and I, like you, you actually... I said those exact words probably three weeks ago because we were talking about how our work like becomes the priority so fast mm -hmm. and over our own uh, mental health and well-being. And I said, I feel like I have to fight for myself to choose myself. And you and for you, it wasn't like you said, no, I don't feel like it. But I for me, I'm like, 
It is a conscious fight to choose myself every day because we can sit here and talk about, we know that exercise is good for us. We know that good nutrition is good for us. I know for me, when I'm working out daily, I feel like on top of the world and I'm generally a really positive person, but I just feel phenomenal when I'm eating and moving my body. Why is it so hard for us to not do the things that we know are good for us? And I think, is it a conditioning as women? Because the thing is, in the morning, I love my work. It is so easy for me. If I didn't have other responsibilities, I would come straight down to the computer and I would start my work day because I am so excited to do the work of that day. It is harder to choose myself and make myself go on that walk, do something for me, because I know if I don't do it now, it's not going to get done during the day. So how do you feel about that, mom, too? Because oh, I'm guilty. I know, I know. But why is it so hard for us <laughs> yeah. to choose ourselves and to choose that thing that is good for us when we're so willing to do it for everything and everybody else? I just think, oh, yeah, really like I'm I personally am stuck in the quandary of like I've been active and athletic my whole life and the last three, four years, I've just let it drop and I don't know what I need to do to get myself moving. I've tried every kind of self-talk thing. I've saved every article, every little workout, every start again or start over after 60 kind of thing. And I'm still struggling with it. And I came across something the other day that said it's about self-love. And I thought, oh, I need to think on that one for a while. So what are your thoughts on that? Because Many different things can be blockages to us that we may not even understand ourselves why we're not able to put the car in gear and engage in that area. So I'd love to hear your thoughts because Erin and I, you know, we're two different seasons of our life facing similar issues, but maybe for different underlying reasons. Yeah, I think the one thing that you read from my article was take care of yourself like you would take care of somebody else. When you talk about, you could just go straight into work, Erin. That's great. You're passionate about your work and you work hard and you are motivated to do those things. And that is wonderful. That's great. That's a fantastic thing. You're an entrepreneur. You are so in it. But you're right. I think that before you would go to work, though, would you feed your kids breakfast? Probably. Did you pack your lunch, take them to school? Probably. So why wouldn't you do it for yourself? So it's shifting our mindset to say, I have to do this thing for me. Like I need to do this thing for me. And somehow we think we don't have to, and we can sacrifice it. And that's what I'm talking about, the sacrifice that happens. So if you're finding yourself in that, some of the things that I do that help is I set an alarm on my phone and in the alarm, if it dings, it says, drink your water and go for a walk. Okay. My alarm just went off and I need to go for a walk. And so it's just a reminder. If you need a reminder, do that. If it's habit stacking, so you need a reminder and maybe when you brush your teeth in the morning, that's your time to go do your thing. 20 minutes, set a timer, 20 minutes. I'm going to go do my thing. I'm just going to do it right after I brush my teeth. Like I'm not going to go answer a phone call. I'm not going to look at my emails. I'm just going to brush my teeth and go do my thing first before I whatever. There's things you can do. I think that it just to prioritize ourselves just takes consistency over time, making it a habit. And you know what it's like if you don't do it for a while, it's hard to get back up on the horse. But if you've done it for a week at a time, that next week feels fine. 
it's getting up and doing it. That's some of the tips I use, but give yourself grace too. And if you're feeling burnt out and you need rest, I, I don't want you to go kill yourself in a workout either. So you need to listen to your body, right? Like you need to know exactly how you're feeling and you don't want to, you don't want to overextend yourself just for the sake of I'm getting my workout in today. And letting go of perfection. Like I'm such a, I, so I start something like three weeks ago, I started my new habit. I would, I was getting up before Luca would wake up and I was doing Pilates and then I would have time for a quiet coffee by myself before he woke up. And then the whole morning routine, getting him ready for kindergarten, doing the chickens, dropping him off. And then I was going for a walk before I came home to start my day, work day. And I felt amazing. And then I left out of town for four days and I came home and it's, I'm still trying to like, okay, get back into it. But I felt so good while I was doing it. And for me, I'm so hard on myself. If I'm going perfectly, like doing everything I wanted to do in a day and then I mess up, it's like everything is kiboshed and I, you feel crappy about yourself. But I hear you. If we can just be consistent and if you're not doing everything you want to in the one day, just do it tomorrow or there's always tomorrow. Just do it long enough that it becomes that habit. And then you're not even thinking about it. You're just, you're choosing yourself without even being aware that you are. Yeah. And I just want to add, and the grace to start small, the grace to not have the perfect workout or the perfect routine, but just something like five minutes, 10 minutes, even those can have long lasting benefits as well. So that's what I'm saying to myself too, because I used to be a fitness trainer like way back in the day and Aaron and I were going to boot camp seven years ago. So I know what a good solid workout looks like. And as I'm aging and being less active, I can't start at that pace again. So my self-talk is just start five minutes, 10 minutes. So yeah, whoever needs to hear that one too. Yeah, I think it can look differently. Yeah. We think that it has to look a certain way. It doesn't have to look a certain way. It absolutely does not. So in your article, too, you talk about the mental load of the to-do list. You say a heavy workload can be to blame as one of the biggest threats to our mental health. And often rural women have been conditioned to believe that rest is earned. Shifting your mindset to believe that rest is required to do the most meaningful work can be a helpful change in perspective. Love that. Rest is required, not earned. We all need to hear that. <laughs> I think we all need to hear that. I don't even think that's just women. I think that's everyone. I think that our culture is to achieve and to work hard and to produce or make a certain amount of money or whatever. And so there's value on all of those things, but so often we lose the value in ourselves, which I always say without farmer, there's no farm. We have to remember that. And it's the same with you. If you aren't well, your business isn't going to be well. But also our family and our loved ones. It's not just our work that has to hold importance. I know that we all have to pay the bills and we all have to make a living, but we all have to be healthy as well. And rest really has to become one of those top priorities on your list. Rest has to come first. If we don't have that, everything else will fail. Exactly. And I think about that adage people tell a woman with a newborn, scurry around and get things done while the baby is sleeping. But, you know, maybe while the baby no, is sleeping, you, you go sleep, sleep too. <laughs> and having the perfect looking house, no toys on the floor or no dishes in the sink. Like, I think in times in the past, maybe when life wasn't so busy, those might have been things. 
we would aspire to. I know growing up, we had six kids in our family. My mom's my mom fully embraced the role of motherhood and keeping up with the house. I lived in a spotless house. You probably could have eaten off the floor in any room. The walls were washed spring and fall. And she kept uh, a place that looked amazing. And sometimes I feel a twinge of that kick in when I look at Lucas toys everywhere. And oh my gosh, our house is just can be a sight sometimes. And that pings at remembering that. And I think maybe to have set different standards for yourself or just relax that in these seasons when children are small or life is busy, let's not hold to some standard that just doesn't work in your life right no. now too. It's the moment. And I think you even saying that makes me think, but roles have changed. So did your mom run a podcast and did she have a magazine? And was she doing all of those other things? She was a busy lady. I'm not taking that away from her. But if you're comparing you to her and the things that you have in your role now, yeah. it probably doesn't compare. And so I often think the same way. But if you look at what women are doing now, we've taken on a lot more responsibility as I want to say like the feminist movement has happened, but just women have been doing amazing things. And so we can't take on extra things and expect perfection on cleaning the house. If that was, if you were at home 100% of the time, absolutely, that's an expectation to hold. But if you're doing other things, you yeah. can't have that expectation. I'm not saying one is more or less important. I think homework, being at the home and doing work around the home and raising a family is super important. I'm not taking away from anybody who does that because it is some of the most important work. But if you are doing other things outside of the home, working, or you have an extra business or whatever, we can't compare our roles. We cannot compare them. And so you're right. That comparison is sometimes the hardest thing on our brains and our mental health to be like, wow, my house isn't clean. What were you doing this week? You were running around running a business. Your house didn't get clean because you were working your butt off. So you can't feel bad about that, right? Maybe it means you hire a house cleaner once a week. So you can get all those other things done. And we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I do it too. I do it too. Because... I love a clean house. I love it. But do I always have time to do it? I don't. It is a priority for me, but I'm not going to do it and exhaust myself when I come home and I've been working for six weeks in the field. I'm not, I, I need help. So if I need to hire help, I'm going to hire help. That's what I'm talking about, about do, delete and delegate. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We compare ourselves to someone or something. They did this. You know what? They're not doing what you're doing. So don't compare it. Let's just look at your own situation. That's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to figure out now to have somebody come in a couple times a week and cook dinner. I have that thing on my list too. That dinner, take the meat out, defrost the meat. Because if you forget to do that, no one's having supper. I'm still on the stage. I love it. I cook most <laughs> of the meals. I love cooking. I love yeah, cooking. and me after 45 years of doing it, it ain't so much fun anymore. <laughs> I still enjoy it. So tell us about the book. Why did you write a book? How was the process? How long did it take you? What surprised you about it? And has this always been a dream of yours? Or what? When did the thought first come into your head? <laughs> All right. So here's my book for anybody who is interested. It is called Rooted. It came out last year. I started writing it 
right when COVID hit. Okay. So in 2020, okay. I went to a conference in Toronto. It was a women's conference. It was called rise. Rachel Hollis put it on and it was the first personal development conference, big one that I had been to. I've been to some small ones and whatever. When I went to the conference, it was really helpful because it was telling me all these things, self-care and looking after yourself and you know, know who you are. And so I spent a weekend doing all the work and spending it with 10,000 other women doing the work. What a wonderful thing. If you ever have an experience like that, please go. Honest to God, women's conferences are the best. Came home from that conference. And one of the things that we left with was pick a goal. And what is your goal? It could be anything you want. And I had been out of media for quite a number of years, but I love writing. I absolutely love writing. I was meant to do it. And I haven't been doing writing. I did do it for many years. And I always wanted to write again. So I left that conference saying I was going to write a book. And also it was going to be about mental health. Those were the things that I knew I wanted to do it just because I had so much to say about it and I could share my story and help other people. And I knew that my book had to be about mental health. So I came home from the conference and I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write this book. I had these big goals and make a schedule and write every day and get it done. And then I was homeschooling two kids, which I want to say was one of the most difficult and excruciating experiences of my life. And I will not say that homeschooling is bad and anybody who loves it power to you. It is not my thing. It is just not my thing. And I did not love it. And I absolutely did no writing during that time until my kids went back to school and schools opened up again. Then I started writing. And it was one of those things that I worked into my day and said I was going to write for two hours a day until my book was done. And I set a timer and I wrote for two hours a day until my book was done. Literally, that was what I did because I had this goal and I wanted to get it done. I have never written a book. I was used to being a reporter. I was used to writing stories and making stories. I had never written a book. So it was all a learning process. I self-published. I hired an editor and a book coach to help me through the whole process. I made all the decisions myself. I was the boss and the book is the result of all of that. I, there was no input from a publisher saying, we want you to write this or that. This is my story. This is all my story. It's very vulnerable. It's very honest. It's very authentic. There's no BS in it. If you want to know my story, you will get it all in here. My reason to write it was just to help other people walk them through what it looks like if you're dealing with a mental illness or if you're going through a tough time and know that you're not alone. And that really was my reason for writing it. And so I think it's done that. Oh, phenomenal. That's amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Did you find the whole process of writing the book was cathartic for you? And in a way, because I've been hearing this a lot of women who've written a book, it forces you to really stand by what you're saying. Like you get, you'll get tested. Do you, is this what you really think? If you're putting it in the book, okay, let's test you to make sure that you're standing by your word. Did you find that process reveal that for yourself? Absolutely. It was healing and it was reaffirming my beliefs. I'm, I think advocates for women. I think it advocates for farmers. I think that I don't sugarcoat anything. And I'm very honest about what it is to grow up and live in a small town, because there are a lot of things in small towns that people will relate to in this book. And um, some of them are hard to hear. They're not easy 
to talk about, but they need to be talked about if we are going to improve mental health. And I think that maybe it'll spur some good conversations, I'm hoping, and get people really thinking about just what how they are living their life, what they're doing, the values that they hold for themselves. And um, so hopefully it helps. Oh, wow. excellent. It's going to. So where can people grab a copy of your book? Yeah, so you can visit my website at LlewellynMelnick.com and get my book. You can also find it in bookstores. You can find it on Amazon as well. There is also an audio version. So if you're on Audible, you can find the audio book as well. Oh, cool. Excellent. And and where can our listeners connect with you online? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can send me an email. My information's on my website, LlewellynMelnick.com. So you can send me messages there if you want to track me down. And what's your Instagram handle? So we can find you. Llewellyn Melnick. Pretty easy. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll include all the links in in the show notes too. So, wow. I just want to say thank you for coming on. This was such a, just feel like like we're close friends. It was so easy to talk to you. And thank you for sharing to the depth that you did. And I think your message and your book too is just going to help, like you said, be a conversation starter and could be those first steps in self-awareness as women to take better care of ourselves and be looking at our mental health as a priority because a lot of times we don't. Yeah. And I think for anyone listening, I use this messaging today to give yourself permission to start if you've been avoiding it and listen to the podcast twice if you need to and just start because you're worth it. And I liked what you're finishing paragraph in the article was is just be you and I think get in touch with who that is and let her be taken care of so thank you again this was a really great stimulating conversation we enjoyed it absolutely yeah thanks for having me ladies we'll be in touch you did it you just finished another episode of the trailblazer podcast we love bringing you real life stories and know-how from rural women Head over to our website, www.trailblazerco.com, for today's show notes with all the links and special offers from today's sponsors. Want to help us grow? Tag us and screenshot this episode or share your takeaways in the comments over on Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. So this is Jan and Erin signing off. See See you you next time, Trailblazers. Trailblazers.